Good morning. How are we all this morning? Enjoying this warm weather? February is still to come, by the way, just so as you know. I stand here in a, a, an exciting time for you. I'm thrilled to know that you've called Jeff. Um, I'm excited about the whole prospect of what God is going to be doing in this place um, through him and with you. And I bring my greetings from um, Castlegar just to say we love you and we want to continue in a relationship with you as time goes on. But really excited that Jeff's coming. I listened to his sermon um, this week. Um, I just want to check him out, you know. <laughs> um, and I really enjoyed what he said. Really enjoyed what he said. And uh, he sounds, from all that I've heard about him and, and seen about him, he sounds like a, a man with a heart for people and a heart for his community. And I really believe God will do some amazing things through you, not just him, but through you and him together um, in this place. So bless you, and I'm excited for you. Okay, so the last time um, I was here, we were in the book of Revelation. I kind of gave a little bit of an introduction to it. And uh, what I want to do this morning is... Uh, spend a little bit more time in, in Revelation 1, um, looking at the voice of God. What is the voice of God? How do we hear God's voice? Because John, in Revelation, he heard God's voice. And as we read last time, what it caused him to do was fall on his feet, fall, fall as if dead, in fact. So his life his life was given to God. So I want to look at the voice of God a little bit this morning. And for a Pentecostal, this comes not easy hearing the voice. We talk about the voice of God all the time. We talk about it in, in prophecy. Um, so for me, this is natural. This is, this is a natural thing to talk about. Some of you may find some of the stuff I talk about this morning a little bit hard, but it's good to be challenged. I'm always learning what the voice of God is. I'm always learning what it is to hear the voice of God because he comes in different, in different forms. I've only ever heard what I would call probably the voice of God audibly once in my entire life as a Christian. And <clears throat> never before, never again since. It was way back um, when I believed that God was calling me into to, or to give up what I was doing, give up my job and go to Bible college to study and to learn more about who Jesus was. But my biggest struggle was, at that time, we had a family of four young kids. And my biggest struggle was pride. I talked a little bit about the last time I was here, that our pride, in order for us to hear God, our pride needs to die, our strength needs to die, and we need to allow Him to come and take over. My pride was getting in the road because I believed that I was better able to look after my family than God was. That was my job. It was my responsibility because I was the, the breadwinner. And I very clearly heard God, it was almost like somebody was standing behind me, I very clearly heard God say that night in the middle of, just in the middle of a worship time, Leave them in my hands because I am more than capable of looking after you and your family. It's the only time I've ever heard the audible 
would call the audible voice of God. Now, you could all interpret that in different ways. But I believe that was God speaking into my heart and allowing me to release my family into his hands. And, you know, we went to Bible college that, that year, and we lived in the best house that we'd ever lived in before. It was like a palace. It was, it was fantastic. And we went with four kids. We didn't know when we did, made the decision, we didn't know where we were going to live. I moved down to the area. We moved from one end of the country to the other. And I didn't know where we were going to live. And I got down there. I went down first. God introduced me to these, this family. And we lived in this amazing house. I was a painter and decorator. He provided enough work for me during the holidays that I could pay my way through college, but not just for me. I was able to employ people from the college in order to deal with all the work that I had. God looked after us because he spoke into the situation. So let's turn to Revelation chapter 1 and verse 10. It was the Lord's day, and I was worshipping in the Spirit. Suddenly I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet blast. So let's look at this, first of all, this verse. The first thing to say here is that John was worshipping in the Spirit. What does in the Spirit mean? Now, your interpretation of that and my interpretation of that might be slightly different. What I don't think it means is people lying out on the floor. What I don't think it means is manifestations that you have seen or heard of, perhaps, that I live in this world where we have to discern very carefully what is the spirit and what is of the flesh. I don't believe it means that sort of thing, but I do believe that John was having an intimate experience of the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying that when people get prayed for, I've been prayed for, okay, and this might challenge some of you, but I've been prayed for. In fact, one time, one only time, I was blown across the room, totally Something that I'd never experienced before. I've been laid out on the floor, but I know that God is working in me at that time. So I'm not saying you can't have these experiences, but I do not believe necessarily that that signifies what worshipping or being in the Spirit is all about. The problem is with today, I believe sometimes that as Christians, we seek after the experience rather than the author. We talked a little bit about last time at the other end of the scale where we talk about knowledge of the Word. And many of us seek after knowledge of the Word. We want to fill ourselves with information and knowledge of the Word of God and, and the words in the Bible. But we forget to recognize who the author is. At the other end of the scale, which you could call the ultra-charismatic scale or the, whatever you want to call it, people seek after the experience as opposed to the author. Both are religious in their own right. You see, I believe God, John was having an experience of the Holy Spirit. I believe he was intimate with the Holy Spirit. 
But I think the experience of the Holy Spirit is actually having your mindset and your heart changed towards God rather than an experience in itself. The Holy Spirit comes to set our hearts and minds on the things above. The Holy Spirit dwells in us to set our hearts and minds on the things above. Paul talks about that in Colossians. It's about having our mindset changed so that he becomes first and not us. We talked a little bit about that last time, where we lay down our lives at the foot of the cross and allow God to take over. It's changing our mindset. I believe he was having a prophetic expression of God working in us. I believe in the prophetic. I believe in the prophetic for today. I do not believe the gifts of the Spirit died in Acts because there is nowhere in the Scripture that tells me that. In fact, the God I worship is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's the same God. He's no different today than he was then. And if we say that we don't need the power of God in our lives today, working today, then we're missing the whole point. We're then saying that we can do this without God. We need the power of God more in our lives today, perhaps. But we certainly need it. We cannot do this on our own. Let's not chase the event, but seek after the Spirit of God. Let's not fill ourselves with information. Seek after the one that wrote it. Allow him to write it on your heart. Allow him to write his word on your heart. Doesn't David talk about that in Psalms? I've hidden the word in your heart so that I might not sin against you. It's not about knowledge up here. Is about what goes on in here. John was having an experience of the Spirit when his revelation came. And prophetic is to know as to how we can see the voice of God. We must change our focus from us to Him. Our hearts, as I said, set on the things above and not of the things. So what's the significance of the day? There's a challenging one. It says the Lord's day. Now, in, under the old covenant, the Lord's day was Sabbath. That was the day that was set aside. We talked a little bit about this last year. God set aside one day of the week to be holy. The Sabbath was a remembrance so that the Israelites would remember what God had done in Egypt. You read that in, I think it's Deuteronomy. I, okay, I do not believe that today there is only one day that we set aside to be holy. We do it. In fact, I remember when I first became a pastor, some of my congregation telling me that this was their day to be holy. This was the day they set aside to be holy. In the north of Scotland, they still practice it. They don't do anything on a Sunday. I do not believe that to be the case today. I do believe is that every single day of the week is unto the Lord, is holy. Every day of the week. 
not just one. And so I'm not convinced there is a significance of the Lord's day here other than the fact that every day is given unto God. In fact, in Hebrew culture, um, it's funny, we have separated in our time the secular and the holy. I do not believe there's a secular or, what's the other word I'm looking for? Sacred divide. In, in ancient Hebrew culture, everything they did was unto God. They called it kavana. Everything they did, they did unto God. So whether you're out having a meal with somebody, whether you're going and being part of a group, whatever you're doing, whether you're doing your work, the whole idea is that everything is given unto God. It's not just on one day of the week. It's everything we do. It's our whole lifestyle is given unto God. I don't believe there's necessarily a significance in the fact that it's the Lord's day is written here. I believe that every day is God's day. Everything we do is unto God. The next part of this voice, the next part of this verse is very interesting. It says the voice came from behind. You see, I shared my experience about going to Bible college. I believe God's voice points us forward. It points us into things we have not yet seen. It should propel us forward. It comes from behind to propel us forward. It propels us to places that we haven't been before. That's called faith. It brings faith by hearing the voice of God. It brings faith to bring us to places that we haven't been before. If we've got there, then we're missing the point. If we think we've got God all tied up in our little box or our big box, depending on how big your your mind or theology is, then we've missed it. And you know, so many Christians have this in their mindset that I know everything about God and I'm here to teach you. I'm telling you today that I know little about God and I'm still learning on the journey just the same as you. God's voice should take us, should speak from behind to propel us forward. John heard the voice of God from behind. Paul talks about, alludes to this a little bit, doesn't talk about it necessarily, but alludes to it in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. His voice is to release faith to believe and receive that which is yet to come. So the picture here is God's voice behind us propelling us forward into faith. You know, there's a saying that says this, if all we do is what we can do in our own strength, then we don't need God. And sometimes we get to that place in our walk where everything's going great. You know, it's great when everything is going fantastic. Everything's going the way our life is going well. God appears to be blessing us. We're living on the mountaintop experience. But all too often on that mountaintop experience, we can forget the God that brought us there. 
when you look around, not necessarily, yeah, well, I guess when you do, when you look at the Rockies or the mountains, a lot of your mountains are different to the ones in Scotland because your trees grow all the way up to the top. Whereas in Scotland, it's so blooming windy that the trees can't go anywhere near the top of the mountain. And our mountains aren't really mountains compared to your mountains. They're just little hillocks. But in the valleys is where the growth takes place. You go into the west coast of Scotland, all our mountain tops are bare. There's nothing grows because it's too windy. And all the growth takes place in the valleys. And it's the same in the Christian life. It's great to have those mountaintop experiences. It's great when everything's going well. Actually, when everything's going well is a time when we can forget the God who brought us there. It's down in the valley sometimes that real growth takes place. If all we do is what we can do in our own strength, then we don't need God. I want to encourage you that when Jeff comes in sometime later on this year, I, be, I, want, to, I want to encourage you to go in a faith journey that that you need to depend on God. Don't just do what you can do on your own strength, but allow the voice of God to speak to your heart to propel you forward into faith, propel you forward into doing things that you could never expect God to do. It's important that we hear the voice of God to propel us into the things that we have not yet seen. You know, we can run our clubs. We can run our community stuff. We can run things for the community. We can put on meals and invite people in. But if we're doing it in our own strength, then we might as well be a social club like the Legion or some other social club or the, the Buddhist thing that's just here. We might as well be one of them because they're doing exactly the same thing. Let's not forget the power of the voice of God. Let's not forget the power of God living in us. Let's not forget the voice of God is as real today as it was then and as it will be in future generations. God's voice takes our large obstacles and turns them into dust. It's a voice that shakes us out of our apathy and into a faith-driven mindset that says nothing is impossible for those that believe. Have you ever thought of that very statement? That nothing, nothing is impossible for God. Nothing. You see, we tend to box God up into this little box in our theology and say, as long as God doesn't operate outside of my little box, then everything's going to be okay. But the minute we step outside of that little box, we get frightened and we step straight back in again. How do you think Jonah felt when he got swallowed by the fish? See, we read that as a nice little story. How do you think Joseph felt when he was thrown into the pit? We know the ending. He didn't know the ending at that time. You see, God doesn't operate in our box because God is so much bigger than our little box. 
God's voice behind us, propelling us into the things that we've not yet seen. I want to speak a little bit to the church leadership. It's important in your leadership roles that you don't just simply keep things running. Your job as leaders is to see the vision of God, to hear the voice of God, and to lead your people into that place of faith. Somebody once told me as a pastor, and it's important when Jeff comes, that you hear this. One of the most important things as a pastor that they can do is spend time with their father. Please don't run him ragged. Please don't have him doing all the work for you. Please don't have him running around all over the place. Please allow him that space to be with his father. Because in being with his father, he can bring that voice to you. It's important. Nothing is too big for God. You know, when faith happens, things get a little bit messy. We, if somebody had said to me five years ago, you're going to be living in Canada, I'd have just laughed. We left the UK in January Four years ago, we arrived probably this week, four years ago, having a little baby boy that was not expected to live. And we sat, people must have, around us must have looked this as crazy. We sat in Gatwick Airport, which is one of the it's a large airport, lots of people, sobbing our eyes out because we were asking God, why is it so hard? But yet here we are. Here we are. Faith comes from here. Hearing the voice of God, propelling you forward into things that you have not yet seen. If you can see what's ahead of you, then you can plan to get there in your own strength. If you can't see what's ahead of you, then things start to get a little bit messy. We're changing our structure through in Castlegar. We're only doing a gathering every second week now. Because we believe we heard the voice of God. That is where we believe God is taking us as a congregation. It's not for everybody, but that's for where we're going. But the rest of the time, we're actually so much more involved in our community. We've made so many more connections with people in our community over the last two weeks, the last few months since we started this, because we've allowed people space to do that, and we've encouraged them to do that. Now, let me tell you, it's messy. It's scary, because you're stepping outside this little box but God is amazing. The God stories that we, we had a, 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 a we, we've got a heart, we call it the heart, the beating heart of this new expression. And we were all together last night and we were listening to God stories that would blow your mind. Of God introducing us to people who, and giving us opportunities to speak into situations which we never expected and never would have got had we stuck in the same structure. But you see, it's our journey, and I want to encourage you to find your journey. However that, might pan out, however that might pan out, find your journey with God, both individually and as a congregation. It's messy when faith starts to rise, 
because it takes us out of this comfort zone. I have a comfort zone. You have a comfort zone. My comfort zone at the moment is being stretched. It's messy, but I love it. I love it. Verse 11. It said, write in the book everything you see and send it to the seven churches in the city of Ephesus. Smyrna, Pergamum, that other one, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Thyatira, I think it is. Thyatira. This is a message for the churches. And as we said the last time when we looked at the beginning of Revelation, it's relevant then as it is to us today and as it is going to be in future generations. It's a message to the church. The voice of God is intended to draw us to the church. Do you know God loves his church? God loves his church. And he loves it in every single different expression of that church. Because the church is his bride. God's voice should draw us to the church, not take us away. It should draw us to the church in all of its expressions. God loves his church because the church, folks, is not this. It's you. You are the church of God. You are the bride of Christ. God loves you. And the voice of God should draw us into communion with the church. You know, we often, <laughs> we often talk about how much God loves us regardless of all our stains and all our baggage that we carry around. But the minute something in church doesn't go quite right the way that we want it to go, then we get up and walk out and move somewhere else. And we complain. So, that's a bit hypocritical for me because actually if we say on one hand that God loves us with all our stains and all our baggage and on the other hand say that, well, God doesn't love you because you're not doing it the way I want you to do it, so I'm going to go and find somewhere else, that's hypocritical because you see, God loves his church with all its baggage, and you and I will know that there are many things that maybe we see wrong with God's church today. God still loves it. Those that are in Christ, the church, the church, not this, not the organization necessarily that we have created, but the church of God, the people of God, those that have found Christ. Whatever God is saying, you should be plugging you into his church and not driving us away. There's a lot in here about God's voice, and I'm skipping over quite a bit of it, but I wanted to try and somehow bring some of this to you without overburdening you. Verse 12, when I turned to see who was speaking to me, I saw the seven gold lampstands. When John, when John heard the voice of God, he turned to see. In other words, he turned to face the voice. When we hear the voice of God, it should cause us to turn to him. Turn to face 
the voice of God. Turn to him. Shouldn't take us away. Should cause us to turn to him. The author. The author of our lives. The author of our life's journey. We should put aside all of us and simply turn to him. We become less concerned about us and what people think of us and more concerned about what God thinks. And that is a big thing. That's a huge thing. Because you see, when faith takes us outside of our box, our comfort box is, is, is I want to be liked by people. I want to be liked by everybody. It was certainly one of my boxes that I'd sort of captured myself in. When faith rises and takes us into those places that we have not yet seen, it becomes messy. And I struggle with this a little bit. In putting together what we put together in Castlegar, it's taking people and me right outside our box. And some people don't like it. Some people struggle with it, and that's okay. But you see, I am more concerned about what God is saying than what others are saying. And that's not to say this came from me altogether. We have a big, or not a big, but a largest leadership team compared to the size of congregation we have. And everybody was saying the same thing. I like to have consent, not consensus, because that's just like a voting thing, but I like to hear the heart of the people that are with me. And we were all hearing the same thing. We all know that it's messy. Faith takes us into those things that we have not yet seen. It takes us out of our box into a big pile of mess. And our favorite prayer at the moment is, help me Jesus because we don't know what we're doing. But isn't that a wonderful place to be? Isn't it an awesome place to be where we're simply saying to Jesus, Jesus, this is you. Help me, I don't know what I'm doing. Didn't Moses feel like that when he led the people of Israel out of Egypt? I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't speak well. And what did God say to him? He said, I am who I am. Taking Moses completely out of his comfort zone, into something he'd never been trained for or experienced. And yet God did amazing things because he stepped out of his box. <clears throat> when we turn to him, we should put aside all of us and simply turn to him. He turned, he saw the lampstands, and as I mentioned last week, I believe the lampstands represent the church. And isn't it strange that the first thing that he mentions and sees when he turns to see the voice is the symbol of the church, the true church of God, the body, the temple where he dwells. It was funny, when I first became a Christian, I was a young man, and um, I had this thing in me that we have to worship God with modern songs. We have to have modern music. We have to do this. We have to do that. And if people are not worshiping God with modern songs, then they're not really worshiping God at all. 
inspired to come down off that pedestal after a while. You see, there are many forms of worship. There are many forms of worship. Some people like modern music, some people like old hymns, some people like liturgy. And I've come to the conclusion that because God loves his church, if somebody genuinely heartfelt worship God in their way, if that is a genuine heart worship of God, then God loves that just as much as he loves the other. As a worship leader, you'll know this battle that goes on in our hearts and our heads all the time about modern over old, modern over old. Now, there is an argument to say that we should be worshipping God in a way that is relevant to those around us in the world that we live in. I did make it once it caused somebody to walk out. I'm not going to make it today about John Wesley. It caused somebody to actually get up and walk out of the church one night. <laughs> well, whatever. But you know, John Wesley was a radical in his time. He was a radical. He was introducing music into a church. My goodness me, that was never heard of. He was introducing songs into church. He was a radical. What the heck are we still doing singing his songs years later? Now, there's an argument to say that. Okay? But in his songs, there's a lot of theology. I don't know that I want to sing theology when I'm worshipping God. I want to worship. I want it to come from my heart. But yet, there is, uh, there is so much richness in some of those songs. That one we sang this morning is one of my favorites. It's one of my favorites because your heart can well up. You get passion growing in you. And it's funny, you know, you see some of those charismatics, they stick their hands when they're worshipping God in the modern chorus. As soon as the hymn starts, they put their hands down. It's about our hearts. This is what needs to change. It's not about what we sing. It's not about what we say. It's not whether we use liturgy. You know, there's some fantastically rich liturgy in the Anglican church. It's a bit old-fashioned, but it's, it's there. And if somebody is worshipping God in their hearts through that, then that's okay. It's okay to be different. Now, I know you guys know that and accept that because you have so many different perspectives in this congregation and in the, the church you call the Covenant Church. You have a very accept, and I love the fact that you have such an accepting welcome of, of whoever you are. Let's not our theology get in the road of relationship. Because it's this that counts. It's interesting that the first thing that John saw when he turned was the church. The voice of God should draw us to the church, should allow us, should allow us to see those in the body, not by the flesh, but through the spirit. In fact, that should be the case for everybody. Don't look at people in the flesh. The flesh stinks. Look at them through the Spirit. Look at them. We sing the song, isn't it? Um, Hosanna, is that the one where it says, um, 
let us weep with your tears. Is that the chorus, the bridge? Um, I see the King of Glory. Is that it? Yeah, the, the bridge of that song talks about that. You know, we sing these words, but yet do we really mean it? Do we want to see people as, as Jesus sees them? Allow the voice of God to help you to see people as Jesus see them. Ask God, God, let me see that person as you see him. Let me have a word that will come and speak right into that guy's heart or that person's heart that will release your kingdom in his life. The voice of God should bring life. Moving on. I'm going to jump ahead a little bit here into verse 14. His head and his hair were white like wool and as white as snow and his eyes were like flames of fire. White is the color that signifies cleanliness or righteousness. The voice of the Lord will never expose sin for the sake of exposing it. Now let me say that again, because he will expose it, but he'll never expose it for the sake of exposing it. He will expose sin in our lives to bring light into that situation, to bring his righteousness into that situation. He will bring sin to the head in our lives, otherwise we would never change. And if God didn't do these things in our lives, we would never change. There would be never any need for us to change. But God brings attention to our lives. The things that are not right. In order to cover them in his light and his righteousness. A wool. The wool signifies covering. It covers, doesn't it? It's a, like a garment that covers us in his righteousness. It will seek to bring healing and forgiveness as the headship of the church that is Jesus. He won't cover but instead of simply exposing it for the sake of exposing it, he will reveal it in his light that exposes. And we all know what happens to darkness when the light comes. Come on. It it disperses, it flees. It disappears before even the light is even fully there. It's on the run. His voice is about, is about making our darkness his light. His righteousness comes to cover our unrighteousness. Verse 15, his feet were like polished bronze, refined in a furnace, and his voice thundered the mighty ocean waves. The image of brass feet is an image of a new creation. Brass is the coming together of copper and zinc, and it creates something new. It creates a new alloy called brass. See, I believe the, the voice of the Lord will burn in his strength for our journey. Had we not known that God was with us and God had called us to this place, we would never have come. It would have been so easy to go back into our comfort box and stay with our kids and our grandkids. It's been so easy. I call it faith no matter what. Faith no matter what. The voice of God brings us strength 
for the things that he will bring us to. Strength for the journey, strength to persevere, a faith that is strong and bold. A vision of faith that will cause us to go no matter what the cost. And the cost is often huge. The voice of God will cause faith to rise up. A new creation filled with the power of God, transformed by his refining fire. Just as brass becomes, you know, brass is stronger than both of its metals that it's made from. That refining process that takes place brings a stronger metal than the two that it's made from. That is what the voice of God will do. It will make us strong. It will bring strength for our journey. It It allows faith to rise up inside us. And as you seek God as this time transition comes, as you seek God for his way forward, ask him to speak to your heart to give you faith that will rise up inside you to go forward into things that you may not yet have seen. In fact, I know you will not yet have seen. Don't let this be it. Because this isn't it. Don't let all you do be this. Because we can do this in our own strength without God. Allow that faith to rise up, to bring his power through you. Allow his power and his voice from you from the inside out to write his story on your heart. Transform you by his fire. And just as brass becomes strong in the fire as the copper and zinc melt and combine, you also must let our strength die because copper and zinc have to die in order for brass to appear. As God's fire, as you allow God's fire to reflect your heart, you must die in order to allow him to come up. And he will bring that strength. He will bring that strength. Copper and zinc both lose their form to form another. And likewise, when we invite Christ in, we die to ourselves. Doesn't it say in 2 Corinthians that we are therefore a new creation? We are a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. God's refining process will allow us to become that new creation that he had intended us all along to be. And I know that if you allow God to speak to your heart with his voice, he will take you to places that you have not yet seen. He will stretch you, he will challenge you. But I am as a here standing as a testimony of amazing place. I think I said last time, I think I know less now than I thought I did before. It's a journey that has stretched me beyond my wildest imagination, but I'm falling in love with Jesus again. 
I'm hearing his voice. And as we die to ourselves, a new creation is born, born of the Spirit. Our motivation changes, our mindset changes. Our mindset becomes one that is full of faith because God's voice has spoken behind us and is propelling us into the things that we have not yet seen. Don't despise prophecy. See, we often despise it because we see a lot of the things that we think are wrong with it. You have a prophet in your midst here. And I believe the church has treated prophets with some uh, element of disdain. Don't do that. Because God uses his prophetic people to speak into your hearts. When sometimes we ain't listening. And I've seen all the weird stuff that goes on. And, you know, part of prophecy is that you take those words and you, you take it away and you discern it with God. But I have seen some just amazing words where God's voice has spoken directly into their hearts through another person, through a channel that nobody else would have known about but God. And what it does to those people, it allows faith to rise up and takes them forward into things they have not yet seen. And sometimes things that they've put in the back burner. Sometimes God reminds us of things that he said to us many, many years ago that we've parked because it's never happened and we've said, it ain't going to happen in my time. God arrived, God's voice comes and he speaks into those situations and he allows faith to rise back up in our lives. But God speaks in many different ways. He speaks through his word. He speaks through his people. He speaks through his Holy Spirit. I want you to have hearts that are open to hear. Hearts that are open to be challenged. Hearts that are open to experience new things. As you move forward as a congregation, as a body of Christ in this place, Allow his heart, allow his voice to speak into your heart, to allow faith to rise, to take you to these places you have not yet been and experience God in all his fullness. When we lose our lives and our strength, then God is allowed to come in and take over. Can we just pray? Is that okay? I know we haven't sung our last song yet. I'd just like to pray. And then maybe you could come up while we're doing that. Would, would, you, would you do that? Just come up now. <laughs>